Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hey everyone, welcome to America Meditating Radio and your next normal. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. It pleases me that you take the time to tune in to pick up the vibration, the intent, and really the focus of the purpose in our showing up the way that we do. Nowadays, I've been having these conversations and folks are just looking for something real, something genuine, something authentic. It's almost as if we've been living in a world of an illusion and now the soul is saying, show me what's real, heal my past. You know, I don't want to carry all the luggage that I've been carrying. And if you sit in enough silence, you start to feel like the silence, the rippling of all the stuff that you've been carrying is just settling. And stuff that you just couldn't see starts to come to the surface. And so you have to be strong enough to be able to identify it and address it, especially at the time when you see it. It's a great time for healing. It's a great time to redo yourself in a way that you've never done it. It's a beautiful time to start to embrace yourself and find the real you that's been lost in the midst of the distraction and the lack of attention to your own self. Today, my special guest is Rachel Faithful, who is a folk healer, a shamanic practitioner, and spiritual worker rooted in the African diaspora tradition of the southern United States known as Conjure. Her work has been featured in U.S. publications, including The Color Lines and The Root, and Rachel's own words have been published in several anthologies. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Rachel to America Meditating. Hey, Rachel, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Sister Jenna. Pleasure to be here. What does it mean to be a healer, a shamanic practitioner? So people who are trying to figure that out, I did a show a few years ago, and we interviewed these shamanic healers, and... I was so fascinated by the journey. So for me, being a shamanic practitioner means that I think about holistic healing and have the honor of supporting people in their own healing journeys that bring back some of our oldest ways of healing. So that includes using nature like herbs, thinking about ritual and ways in which everything from grief ritual to celebrations help our spirit make transitions. I support people in thinking about their questions of discernment, questions that are not quite right for a psychotherapist, but are not necessarily something that we can navigate on our own. And that way I serve as a spiritual witness for people. And a variety of other roles that, if you think about just for millennia, how folks learned how to treat their body, spirits, and their collective needs together. We no longer live in a time where you have a shamanic healer in a village, at least in a lot of places. That still does exist. And Mm -hmm. in a modern context, we also have 
folks like myself who are also called to hold very similar space for spirit and inform a doctor. I'm asking this question from my own understanding and to get out of any trappings of ignorance that I might be carrying. Science has helped to bring some of these herbs in a way that it helps with the healing faster. I know there are repercussions to some of it. Can you explain to me the balance of this? I hear about the shamanic healing and I hear about going back to the herbs and the holistic aspect. Does that mean that maybe you don't support the scientific side of things that have been invented? I believe strongly in that balance. To me, part of the benefit of ancestral wisdom is we can learn what's sustained and worked over time. And conditions change. Our context changes. So to me, part of what's really exciting about this moment in the great turning, the paradigm shift, is that we have an opportunity to really harmonize and also integrate what I call the old technology, things that have worked for a very long time for us, and the new technologies, all the beautiful benefits of scientific pursuit mm-hmm. and inquiry medicine. To me, it's all medicine, and it's really finding the for individuals. Yeah, and different things are needed at different times. I don't believe in a panacea of either modern new medicine or a panacea of only using old medicine. When I go back to my ancestral heritage, I tend to find myself more the principles that I find are so lacking in this particular time that when they used certain techniques or certain rituals or medicines, there was just this innate recording of a principle-based way of doing things. And I look at us today with just a drop of a hat, the press of a button, and something happened for you in an instant, but the deep sense of principle or intentionality, we're all struggling for that now. So many people tell me they're looking for their authenticity. They're looking to be intentional in whatever they do. And I wonder if part of our healing is etched in our ability to bring back some deep core principles of the soul. Mm. Do you think? I really think that's a deep insight. I think that's part of the practice that many of us are trying to either revive in the sense of conjure, the sense of reclaiming as well, because those principles have been initially intentionally hidden, but then hidden just over time. So I couldn't agree more. I think part of this Mm -hmm. moment is to, for some people, even become familiar with those principles again. Right. Because I feel like that's what's been missing in our narrative, which is why we just can't find any solutions to the climate, the relationships. We're so far away from that. Tell us a little bit about the conjure, this practice of African-American healing tradition that you've been working with for a while. I have never heard of it. Please educate me. Thanks for asking. Conjure is even part of my tradition that I had to rediscover. It's essentially the spiritual practices, the rituals, the sense of mysticism, as well as a very practical healing modalities that were practiced by enslaved Africans in the United States in particular. So there are sibling traditions that are more like religions. So that includes voodoo, Santeria, and other places in the Caribbean. The conjures are equivalent here in Turtle Island of those practices. Some of those practices were really practical. So how do you treat a wound when you don't have access to a doctor or you can't trust the doctor that's available to you? 
So you get to know kind of the local herbs, you get to learn the landscapes, you get to bring old techniques that were passed down by traditions, but might look different because you're in a different place, in an unfamiliar place. How can you feel connected to spirit when it might actually be illegal for you to do so? One really popular example of how conjure actually lives on in the African-American tradition is this thing called ring shout. It's essentially just this dance. You're in a circle, the circle's moving counterclockwise, and this call response, and it creates this ecstatic experience. So it shows up very often in a lot of Black churches, especially in the South, that's still really present. Most people don't know that actually was a slave practice that was derived from conjure to be in spiritual practice, but it can appear like a dance. It can appear like something other than it is. So it's disguising this spiritual tradition of dance and singing and sometimes percussion that was brought from Africa to the States. So conjure for me is really calling back these practices and also being inspired by these practices to create rituals that make sense for us now. I call it a healing tradition because there's also technically a harming tradition where folks do ritual and other things to hurt people. There might be in other traditions, but for me, I've reclaimed the healing tradition as being part of the shamanic pantheon because it was practiced by enslaved people. It's not often elevated into a shamanic practice. For me, that's really important because we're using nature for connecting with spirits. We're using ancestral folkways, which are all the hallmarks of a shamanic practice. So for me, I was called back to this work when I was brought to shamanism in general, when I learned about just the ways in which we can use drumming, we can use mediumship, we can use other ancestral rituals to connect with spirit. And it brought me back to my own ancestral line that's connected for me in Georgia and Alabama. And I've learned many of these practices. I help create some of the new practices. And for me, my main gift is in energy healing. So I do a lot of energy healing and readings for people that connect them to their own ancestors and connect to their own sense of purpose that can be illuminated through the ancestors. Do you feel that sometimes we need to let the past be the past and become present to see what our tomorrows would be? And the reason why I'm asking is my mother did 46, what do they call that again? Yes, she went through 46 of them. And I wonder to what extent did it benefit her? To what extent did it change her after she realized that she was a queen dom and that she was a man who was very wealthy and she was this and she was that? I see my mother today, still she's not able to throw away that little percentage of trauma that perhaps still keeps her alive today. My question is sometimes, what is it that we're looking for by going into the past? What is it that we're seeking? I think for me, there are two levels to it. And I do have a principle where I'm not interested to ever do past life regression, readings about the past, or just even doing research about the past unless I'm very clear about the purpose and present. So I do think we can get into this voyeurism about what we used to be, our past incarnations that are more about navel-gazing or trauma reenactment than actually allowing us to be present and well now. 
and into the future. Akashic readings are really popular right now too, and I have a very similar principle. Unless I have a very clear present application, it doesn't serve. For me, it's really important to draw from the past to either learn things we still haven't learned yet, to rediscover old technologies that can help us in the present, or help us really understand a pattern that we're trying to break. And I mean that individually and collectively. One thing I really love about Conjure, as with like a lot of other African diasporic traditions, is that ancestors are not just the past. We don't just revere ancestors because they existed before, and that's part of our lineage, though we should honor them. It's more like the connection to the ancestors, like with other forces and spirit, really guide us day to day, can really help us be in the strongest form of discernment to help us feel a sense of purpose and vastness that can allow us to be generous and kind and live to other principles that are important to us, that help us feel supported in times of desperation and need. And I know so many people have been suffering now. So to me, that's the application. It's not the navel gazing. Do they get in the way of the direct connection between soul and source? I think they can, and they can also be aids. I think that's part of the discernment that I have the privilege of helping people with. Yeah, because that's um, sometimes tricky. Yeah, it's not easy. And it yeah. took me some years to really develop that discernment. Sure. I think for me, as long as whatever you're connecting to enhances that connection to source, allows you to feel clear about your connection or to feel the strength and intensity of that connection, I think that's what they're there to do. And if we're finding that we are drawn away from spirit or it's confusing or there are these other obstructions that you're describing, then we have to reevaluate what that connection is. So what would you say is the difference between self-care and healing? Self-care, I think, has become this materialized idea. Getting a massage, getting your nails done, going to the beach. Right, which is fun. (laughs) I think we all should do those things. But it does lack a sense of depth. So I think care... And that level is kind of like the individual maintenance that might allow us to feel good. And as you know, healing doesn't always feel good, but it can be deeply necessary. To me, self-care is what can allow us to maybe get us to a state where we're interested in healing or we feel well enough to heal, but it's just a starting place. How important is happiness to you if you had a choice and you were given peace or happiness? Which one would you choose? Oh, peace. See, I'd go for the happy one. (laughs) Tell me why. I just like that. I feel like when the soul is with God in the world of light, I'm just going to have so much peace, it's good. And I feel like when my soul is in the body and it's in matter in the five senses, it should celebrate it. That's for me. I just want to celebrate being alive. I just think it's one of the greatest gifts. Trauma is a big thing for many of us. I'm not quite sure if it's been the pandemic or if it's just my age or looking at my mother going through her dementia or if it's Mm. just the collective global stuff. But I'm observing how there's a deeper intimacy being forged internally for me between I, the soul, with the soul, and also with the divine, but also with everyone in my life. And I was away in Florida a while back and I stay on this island. And I was driving around in the golf cart, and there was this big ship. And every time I see a big ship, there's this 
fear that comes over me I can't describe. And this time when I looked at the ship and I felt it, I said, you're not more powerful than me. What is it? And I was talking to a friend of mine from Germany. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, for the first time, I'm wondering if I as a soul endured being transported in one of those ships over here. And the irony is in Washington, D.C., when they opened up the African-American Museum here in downtown D.C., I've gone there about 15 times already, whether I was a guest because Mm -hmm. of certain programs, shows, and they've invited me to come. I've been to the White House for the Ruth screening. I've been through all of these things when it comes on to slavery and the African-American culture. And I'm Jamaican, and I'm half Indian and half black, and I'm brought up in America. I didn't get that exposure. But I wondered, why is it that when I look at a big ship, the trauma still sits there? And I don't know if I have details, if I was ever on the ship as a passenger being taken over by force, or if I was witnessing something that I thought was just horrible, or maybe it's just something else. The point that I'm making We as souls have gone through a lot on our journeys and we are holding certain experience. We just don't have the discernment to understand what it meant and how to get rid of it. Has there been a technique that you have found that can assist a person in removing some deep core trauma that even they don't even know what it is? That's a great question. I tend to work in a very either individualized basis. So I think different things work for different people or in collective ritual together with people. But I appreciate what you're naming. And I think we're only beginning to understand this both in modern science context and also in an ancestral healing context is that we're awakening to the enormous amounts of trauma that's still stored in our bodies. One thing that I've known to be helpful for many different kinds of people is different kinds of somatic relief. And that can look different things for different people. What makes somatic work or working with the wholeness of our bodies, but as connected to spirit, is it makes an invitation for us to recall and remember anything that might be necessary for us to release that trauma. Some of these techniques include guided breathing techniques, that can allow us to connect to spirit, but also release what doesn't serve us. For some people, that's body work that we can do on ourselves to touch the parts of our body that have experienced or still store that trauma to offer the loving touch and reassurance that we are safe now and that that energy can leave us where the other spiritual forces that might be keeping it with us can go. But I'm a strong believer that we can't do either that individual or collective release of trauma unless we're willing to identify it as trauma and that we're willing to allow our bodies, the beauty of being in a body, to help move and release it. I've seen less success for folks that are trying to bypass the body. I don't think this is something we can meditate away, though meditation can get us in the place to make that connection to spirit so we can have more insight about what we need to remember and release, but I think we can't bypass the body. Many different body techniques work for different people, but I think we have to really be in a time of somatics right now. 
Yeah, because I hear that what the soul is going through, it kind of sends the vibrations in the body. So the body just recycles, because the soul is attached to the body, to the matter. So you're just recycling the trauma that you went through. So there has to be an interruption at some point. Yeah. We're witnessing the uprooting of many traditional institutions and norms, and many people are actually calling out for equality and justice. How can we spiritualize the outrage and mobilize anger in the face of injustice? I love that question. It's a question that I'm in deep conversation with these days. There are many different people who have been cultivating this thing called healing justice, like in my title. And for the past 20, 30 years, that has been a movement rooted in the South, by a coalition of people who've experienced different levels of trauma. Those of us who are spiritually connected, who are really encouraging us to especially be willing to engage with the important questions and politics of our time. So the first question I think, the first part of it is, as you said, just like to actually be wanting to engage in this world, in the reality that actually exists. And there's so much beauty in this world. There's also a lot of brutality. So first being willing to engage, I think is an important part of it. I think another important gift that those of us who are spiritually connected bring is a sense of perspective. So we can not only have a perspective across what's happening in the world and not just here, or what's happened historically and not just now, but also what that means in our collective psyche as we are trying to connect more to divine and be more accountable to each other. All that to say is for people that I know who do this work all the time, if they're not spiritually rooted, they might not understand the broader purpose of what we're trying to transcend and transition into. And that can be really important grounding that you need to do that work and sustain that work and keep that perspective. Otherwise, I think you can be drawn in by the politics of it or by the debate that's happening right now and not have a broader perspective of things. So let me give you an example. I do a lot of work around racial justice, and I work with a lot of people of color, people of the global majority, as we call folks now, a lot of healing work around the trauma of racism. But I also do a lot of work with people who are European descended or otherwise known as white people in the United States. To me, it's actually a spiritual question. It's a question of what does it mean to have ancestors that committed a lot of harm and from which people benefit? How can one spiritually reconcile with that reality in a way that doesn't bring shame, in a way that helps understand that like, okay, there's actually a spiritual deprivation that allowed these things to happen. How can you be a part of ending these things and ending these cycles. It's one thing if you just understand it as being a matter of politics, I think there's another depth to it if you understand it as being, okay, there was deep spiritual harm here and there are opportunities to repair that harm every day. How can we do that? There's a quote that I had remembered a while back. I might not be the healer of the world, but I'm part of the healing. And I think that's what you're doing. You're being a part of the healing. First by healing yourself, and then sharing the process of that healing with others. How would you characterize the times that we're in? And are you optimistic about the future for our humanity? Long term, I am. (laughs) 
in the short term, and I know there's different language around what we're experiencing now, great turning, great awakening, all these terms I think are really useful to just describe this transition that we're undergoing. To me, there's an emerging new world order in which the spiritual consciousness is elevating, in which the old institutions, old practices, really around power are being transformed, where equality is being much more realized. And that's not only deeply uncomfortable for some folks who've benefited the most, but I think for most of us, the mystery of not understanding what is emerging is projecting much more fear, much more sense of crisis, and activating a lot of our trauma. So in the short term, those things are happening. And I don't want to underestimate how deeply painful, unsettling that can be. And I think it's momentous. I think we've been waiting for this time for a while, many of us who have been connecting to spirit. So to me, there's as much opportunity here to be in alignment with our truest values and with spirit in a way that we haven't been before. Beautiful. So is there anything that you're working on right now that you'd like our audience to be aware of that they can participate and leave us with a website that they can find you? Yeah, I always have many projects. So there's nothing very specific I want to mention today, but I would love to continue to be in conversation with people who are also asking similar questions as myself. So you can find me at my website, which is just my name, michellefaithful.com. Been a dynamite. Thank you so much. Really appreciated your sharings. Thanks for the questions and thanks for inviting me. Everyone, you can see there are so many different pathways in healing the self or taking care of the self. I mean, it's a process. We're all unfolding. We're learning so much about who we are, maybe the beautiful, peaceful, loving soul, why we're here to go through the roller coaster of emotions and then finally get to level grounds, and who we belong to, supreme being, and in another way, each other. And just imagine the world where nobody walks around with any insecurity anymore, and we own our self-worth and self-respect, that we don't distribute anymore that stuff that we've been doing with each other for way too long. So it's time for our healing, and it's time for us to have the right attitude towards that and to ask ourselves the right questions. I want to thank Rachelle Faithful for joining us on air today. It was really meaningful and take care of yourself. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission and I suspect we are all here to love each other the same. Take care, everyone. Om Shanti. When I was asked by Sacred Stories Publishing to write a book on mystical, divine experiences. Initially, I said, no, those are too private. But then when they came back again to urge me to do it, I said, why not? It'll be of service because over 25 co-authors would would be joining me on this journey to share their own experiences. In meditation, intimate experiences with the divine through contemplating practices You will read stories from our co-authors of a heartfelt clarity about a father's death giving his son a new life. You will hear the story of a woman embracing her wounded inner child and healing herself. You will even hear stories about an inexplicable medical miracle 
and so much more. This book has a life of its own. You will learn how listening to your inner silence can help you overcome life obstacles and reclaim your spiritual power. I hope that you'll be able to dive deep into this and maybe even explore your own mystical and divine experiences for your life to change, for your life to become one that is completely full and rich of everything good. Enjoy, and thank you for looking into meditation, intimate experiences with the divine through contemplative practices. Happy Holidays, located at 6838 Piedmont in Gainesville, Virginia, where a family-owned restaurant and offer authentic Asian cuisine and sushi. Come, savor our delicacies made with love and enjoy the perfect ambiance. We look forward to seeing you there. I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.